0: podcast. I'm your host, Robert Reyes. Now, in this episode of the podcast, when it does drop, it will be the weekend of the three most holiest days on the Star Wars calendar. May the fourth be with you, Revenge of the Fifth, and The Rise of the Sixth. And in honor to commemorate that, we have a special interview. Now, I need to tell you a little story that goes along before we get to the interview. And this story starts in the before times. And by the before times, I mean September of 2019. So I'm covering LA Comic Con. You may have heard that episode, it was episode 26. And the, the Saturday of LA Comic Con, which was just crazy to the point where, you know, the line to get into the building to get your pass was literally snaking around the LA Convention Center, which is one huge city block. So it's going and zigzagging around. So, I was leaving the convention center, making my way towards LA Live to get something to eat. Now, as I'm exiting in the area in front of the south entrance, there was this woman who had a petition getting signatures, and she had a sign. And the sign said, hashtag a star for Carrie. And talking to this woman, I found out that of the three main leads of the original Star Wars trilogy, Carrie Fisher currently does not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I signed her petition, asked her a few more questions, made my way to LA Live to get lunch. So, me being me, you know, I forget to take out the microphone to interview her. I have lunch, I come back, I'm thinking, well, she'll probably still be there. I can interview her when I'm coming back to the convention center and she had moved to a different location and it upset me because that was my one true regret from LA comic-con was I didn't get to interview this woman to let everybody know hey Carrie Fisher doesn't have a star on the Walk of Fame and there's a petition to help rectify that and fast forward to the lockdown times when we all have a bunch of free time on our hands And so we're all getting through all this long list of stuff we've been neglecting. And to my surprise, somebody liked the picture that I had taken of this woman from LA Comic Con. And I come to find out it was the woman asking for signatures and holding the sign. So I reached out to her and I asked her, would you like to come on to the podcast? That way you can let other people know what you're doing how you got involved with this and what people can do to help rectify this injustice of carrie fisher not having a star in the walk of fame so in honor of may the fourth be with you revenge of the fifth and rise of the Sixth, i give you this interview with kristen grady enjoy
1: And I'd like to welcome my guest on the podcast this week. My guest is um, Kristen Grady. Hello, Kristen. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great, Robert. How
1: are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, So if you can tell everyone a little about yourself, um, how you um, became a Star Wars fan, and um, how the whole um, Star for Leia thing came about. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, Well, I'm from Virginia, and I'm a writer. I moved out here last April um, uh, to work on writing and uh, work on movies and TV, and I had the Princess Leia costume because right before I moved, I got hired to cosplay Princess Leia at a bachelor party, like not stripping, just kind of emptying the party and stuff, and It was really fun and they gave me the costume. So I showed up in LA with a Princess Leia costume and I needed money. People were like, hey, you can go on Hollywood Boulevard and people will pay you to take pictures. I'm like, okay, cool. And I tried that one day. I asked, well, where's Carrie Fisher's star? If I'm dressed like Princess Leia, I should get a picture next to her star. And somebody told me she didn't have one. And like something in my brain just like kind of snapped. I was like, what? You know, how could Carrie Fisher not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? And I looked it up, I looked up all the rules and everything, and this idea was born in my mind because I read on their website that the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, who awards the, the Walk of Fame stars, does not accept petitions. And I'm from Virginia. We take our public monuments very seriously. I mean, the Confederate generals can all get melted down for playground equipment in inner-city schools for all I care. But these are you know, the stars are the artists who shape our lives. You should see, you know, when someone dies, the shrines that are built and people gather around and mourn these people who are so much a part of their lives. And um, I had the costume and I wanted to keep cosplaying because, you know, it, it is pretty good money if you need it in LA and you just like have a good costume. Um, and I thought, well, I can't keep doing this it, you know, if this issue is out there. So I started a petition and it, in the face of the fact that they don't accept petitions um, and uh, people sort of got what I was doing. You know, a few people just came up to me like, I will sign that petition. And, you know, some people it was more convincing and explaining kind of what I was doing, but uh, it really started to take off. And um, then I was, uh <laughs> I, I walked by, there's a, a bar on Hollywood Boulevard that looks exactly like the cantina in Star Wars and it's called the Scum and Dillany Cantina and that's where Kevin Smith um does his podcast from and one day I was, I was walking by and I heard Kevin Smith's voice coming out of there because I didn't know the podcast was there at the time. I was like, is that Kevin Smith in there? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's $25 if you want to watch the podcast. I was like, uh, I don't have $25 right now, so I went around the back to the alley, and I, like, waited for him to come out with the petition and the Princess Leia costume and, and, like, a big sign that I had made and stuff, and, uh, like, he immediately got what I was doing. He's like, oh, what's this? And, like, he he signed the petition, took a picture with me, and uh, said that I could be on the podcast, and then um, two weeks later, I, like, people... the the last time someone came up to me and said, oh, I heard you on Kevin Smith's podcast was like last month, like people months later are still telling me that they they saw me on this this thing last June when I first started it. Uh, That really kept me going. And uh, I realized, you know, like I was writing about it and I was, you know, trying to figure out my place here in this town. And I realized it was this project, you know, keeping, um, the, you know, gathering signatures and getting support and getting people to share things online, this made me want to survive. This, uh, and I wanted to help others do that, too. So I had an idea, like, to raise the money to start a nonprofit where cosplayers petition for women's rights issues, and um, uh, I haven't gotten there yet, uh, unfortunately, because, LA is expensive and I'm uh I haven't been able to raise the money yet. But uh it's just a matter of getting the word out there and uh letting people know how beneficial this can be. Um and I I started a second petition uh called Occupy Family Guy and it's uh petitioning the producers of Family Guy to hire a staff of all female writers for one episode next season. Um in honor of Carrie Fisher's prolific writing talent, which uh, not a lot of people know about. Carrie Fisher was uh, a writer, uh, mostly a script doctor in Hollywood. Like she worked on movies without taking credits all the time. films like Last Action Hero and uh, The Wedding Singer and Sister Act, like these iconic movies that are so much a part of our culture were shaped by her. And uh, I feel like more people need to know that and honor that. Uh, in our collective consciousness. So uh, that's what that petition's about. And the Occupy family guy has uh, a little over 2,500 signatures. I I need to check. And um, a star for Carrie has over 7,000 signatures. So it's just been going on longer. And uh, that's just the the paper signatures that I've collected uh, from people on the sidewalk and on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, But there is, uh, there are online petitions for both a star for Carrie and Occupy Family Guy, which they can find on my blog. Sorry, I've been talking forever, but there's a lot no. behind the story. <laughs> no,
1: no problem. I, w- I I knew she was a script do- Carrie Fisher was a s- script doctor. I didn't know she worked on all those movies.
2: Oh, right, that's just a few. She worked on so many movies and. Um, she never took a writing credit because she didn't want people to be like, oh, Princess Leia wrote that. That shouldn't be the tone. It should be, oh, Princess Leia wrote that. And that's what I'm hoping to change, you know, uh, because she started out uh, writing lines for Princess Leia. Like in in the first movie, she was, um, you know, she felt strong enough in in her understanding of films and like where she wanted the character to go to be able to speak up about that, which I feel is extremely admirable for, I think she was 21 when the first movie was filmed, Um, you know, but she's from a Hollywood background and, you know, it's just kind of who she was and who Leia ended up being too. I think that the two people grew up and evolved side by side, uh, Leia and Carrie, you know, they're indistinguishable. At this point, um, especially uh, to the people who love her still. I, I've had some really beautiful experiences with her fans because uh, they really talk about her like they lost someone in their family, and uh, not all celebrities are like that. People are like, oh yeah, and that's when, you know, Michael Jackson or Prince died or something, and like, you know, they still talk about them in, in a loving way sometimes, but you know, with her, it's just, it, it's like this, you can feel something missing from them. And I, you know, I'm dressed as her most iconic character, and I feel like I'm trying to give them something that fulfills that. And uh, that's why, because I know how much it means to people, that I, I can't give up on it. I, I, it's like I promise everyone who signed this petition that I will follow through, and I will not stop collecting signatures until Carrie Fisher has a star on the Walk of Fame.
1: Um, Have you reached out to Carrie Fisher's family about this?
2: Yes, actually, um, on the day that the last movie came out, her brother Todd Fisher was uh, signing something. He had donated some things to the the Chinese theater, like a little uh, display of Leia's original dress and like some of Debbie Reynolds clothes and everything and uh somebody and like i i didn't have a ticket to get in and i was just collecting signatures outside so i was dressed as princess Leia, and somebody went and got todd and he came up and signed the petition and he said he would pay for the star too so like i immediately started crying i was like i i can't believe that just happened and like he gave me a hug and he said hey look it's my sister and i was like (laughs) oh my god it just got me right in the heart and like uh they they really have the same eyes it almost felt like you know she was smiling at me through his eyes. Uh, That sounds a little weird, but um, I feel so emotionally close to her because I've I've studied her so much and I've studied her character so much. And I I really have just tried to convey the best parts of her to people. And it's so easy because (laughs) she was an awesome person. But uh, yeah, I have Todd, uh, you know, on board and uh, I've reached out to other members of her family, but you know, they're celebrities it's tough to get people in this town but uh, that doesn't mean I'm you know I've stopped trying and uh, you know I don't don't see why they would be opposed to what I'm doing at least I hope not anyway (laughs) Um, you know I hope to eventually get uh, all of her fans support and you know uh, the official George Lucas and you know Disney everybody who owns Star Wars it would be great to have their (laughs) support too uh, because, uh, you know, it, it's freedom of speech. I don't think anybody can really stop me. You know, this is just a weird art project with a social kind of meaning behind it. Um, but, you know, I don't think what I'm doing is illegal. <laughs> this is still America as far as I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it, it's not, because I remember, I think, the first day convention I ever went to was in 2005. And it was when creation was still doing the grand slam of sci-fi and somebody had a booth and there was a petition to get um, James Doohan, who played Scotty on Star Trek, a star on the Walk of Fame.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't know you could get booths for that. See, I, I didn't actually go into the convention in LA. I was, cause I just needed to stand outside of it. And people just walked by me and, and signed the petition like crazy. I felt like I was on a, Runaway carousel. It, it was just like people kept walking by and like, oh wait, I'll sign that. You know, it was the easiest petitioning day of my life. But I thought I would get kicked out if I went inside and did this. You know, especially when I asked for donations and stuff too. It was yeah. trying to crowdfund the the nonprofit. But yeah, maybe I should look into getting a booth at a, a at a convention whenever those start up again. I, I think yeah. it's going to be a while because well, Comic Con is in san diego for the first time in 50 years this this is some serious stuff <laughs> yeah well i don't know what
1: the rules are now because this was in 2005 and there was like mm-hmm. this big urgency to get him a star because he was near the end of his life because i remember there was mm-hmm. a big to-do that they were going yeah. he was gonna have his big farewell convention and that's where they oh. announced that he was getting his a star
2: oh that's great yeah because if he had passed on before he got it they would have had to wait five years that's what the star for carry petition if you read the online petition actually states that we're trying to get them to either overlook or remove the five-year posthumous prohibition which doesn't make any sense because living people get them all the time they don't have to wait five years uh some people wait 50 years in the business to get a star i understand that it just takes some people longer but uh, having that stipulation, oh, if they died, you have to wait five years. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I've, I've spoken to the producer of The Walk of Fame. Her name's Anna Martinez. And uh, she she could not give me an answer for why that's their policy. She just said, well, that's our policy. She seemed very <laughs> flustered at that question, like she didn't have an answer. And nobody's ever asked that before. Um, so uh, I was like, okay. Yeah, she called me. I think maybe to try to scare me away from doing this or like try to tell me that what I'm doing isn't helping or not going to help or something. But I'm like, I'm getting the issue out there. I'm making, you know, her image and it, who she is still relevant because they're still making money off of her. She was still in the last movie after she died. And I, I, I couldn't watch it. Cause I was, I tried to, I was outside of the theater and I just broke down crying because I, I couldn't watch it yet. I'll get there eventually, and I'll be able to watch it, I think. But um, it, it was just so weird to me that they just kind of pieced her together into that movie. And I'm like, well, if they're gonna do that, why doesn't she have a star just like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford? You know, they, they can make this happen. They're Disney. <laughs> they own yes. everything. They own half of the street uh, in Hollywood Square. You know, it's they own the El Capitan Theater and the gigantic Ghirardelli Disney store is next door. it takes up like half the block. So, <laughs> you know, they, they could afford it, but then Todd said he would pay for it. So it's not like they even have to invest the $50,000 in the fee. They just have to make it happen. And they can do that. Um, but since no one is making this an issue, I, uh, am doing everything I can to promote the fact that Carrie doesn't have a star and these other women's issues, uh, that I feel kind of revolve around who she was. So, I mean, cause she was on Family Guy too. That's what the Family Guy petition is about. Um, I, I tried to get, uh, Seth a signature on the petition and his security guard was really rude to me. So uh, the next day I had an idea. I was like, well, I could get mad or I could do something constructive. So I started the second petition <laughs> and uh, I feel like that's uh, something they can totally do. I think it would be good PR for them to have just one episode written by all women. And it's not specific to family guy. Most of Hollywood TV and the uh, are written by men. It's just, that's the majority of who gets hired still. Um, and they've had Family Guy episodes written by all men before. I'm not asking for as many episodes that have been written by men, just one. Just one episode. Just let women have the platform for one episode and prove that they can be just as funny as guys and be funny for guys too, like a male dominated platform uh, can still be written by women. I think it's a a good social experiment. And, uh, and and if you put, you know, on one of the title cards in honor of Carrie Fisher and her prolific writing talent or something to that effect, uh, then people will realize that she was more than just a voice on that show. She was more than just Princess Leia. She was, more than anyone realized and she really um made our world better without taking any credit for it so and not only is that admirable but i think that you know we should sort of emulate that take your ego out of art and just make good art that's uh that's what i've kind of derived from this whole process
1: well that's interesting um because i have a a family guy dvd it's the um are you
2: familiar with the abortion episode of Family Guy? Yes. They, um, Fox wouldn't air that one for yeah. years. We, uh, yeah, that we, one that. and the when you Wish Upon a Wine scene, because it was to the, that, the song about I Need a Jew was written to the tune of When You Wish Upon a Star, which is like Disney's theme song. <laughs> so Disney <laughs> didn't want them to show that one either, but the only other one that Fox refused to air was the one about abortion. And they've had abortion jokes on Family Guy before and since, uh, you know, it's, and some pretty horrific ones, too. They didn't pull any punches. Uh, but for some reason, that episode was too much for them. That I've never, um, I don't think they've ever offered an explanation to that other than Fox is just kind of owned by Republicans and, you know, sort of Republican leaning. <laughs> Well, no. But, most... Did I interrupt? I I'm just oh, no. excited talking about oh, things.
1: No. Oh no, it that all goes back to an infamous episode of Married with Children that they never aired. So oh, Fox has yeah? yeah always been leery about that. Yeah. Oh
2: huh. yeah. Well, you know, I think that uh, Family Guy is a a really good liberal balance to everything that Fox produces and they know that and they know that it makes money but uh, obviously they canceled it and they had to bring it back because the fans bought all the DVDs and you know would watch it on Adult Swim every night so eventually they realized oh we shouldn't have thrown this out come on let's bring it back and uh ever since then it's pretty much held the same time slot. I mean, that that doesn't happen for, like, any other Fox show except The Simpsons. So it's a pretty unique show. And um, I I don't know. It's just, I I watch it still. I watch the old episodes I've seen a thousand times. And it's like, it feels like home to me. You know, I can practically recite some episodes. And I I know all the lines. I know all the jokes. And I can, like, almost do the voices and stuff, too. (laughs) But it's just, uh it's comforting and familiar and uh i don't want people to think that i created occupy family guy as like a way to criticize or it, well i'm criticizing the whole industry so in a way i'm kind of criticizing them but it, it's not really specific to them and i wouldn't have made this about any other show because i thought this is kind of the the perfect uh control for this social experiment. Um, You know, it's a big enough platform, enough people watch it, enough people, you know, on all sides of the political spectrum and uh, it kind of varied demographics and everything. So uh, I think it would be a good move for them. Uh, But they may just be like, no, we're not doing it because we're Fox or something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm just going to keep collecting signatures until somebody does something. I mean, they can either do it or, or not. Just because they say no doesn't mean I have to stop collecting signatures.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it could just be they never thought to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to date myself with this next reference, but um, I grew up watching MASH. And mm-hmm. on YouTube, there was this PBS documentary from they did about the show from around the time of the final season. And they were talking to the writers, which were predominantly all-male writing staff. And they admitted, we have trouble writing standalone episodes for women because Loretta Swid played Margaret Houlihan. She was the only woman regular in the cast and they would always have to outsource scripts for her written by women just for her
2: yeah because none don't know how to write women. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of the jokes that get criticized in Family Guy, especially like all the meg abuse and stuff, uh, is, I, I think people are criticizing or re- reflection of real life. And, uh, you know, there there might be a lot of people who kind of relate to it and just get the humor because it's easier to laugh at it, at it than it is to like really be upset about it. Um, and again, it's comedy. Like, why do people take these things so Seriously. Like you're just supposed to laugh at it. I I think maybe once or twice there's been a few jokes I was like, ugh, instead of, ah, that's funny, you know. (laughs) Um, But that's true with, especially every cartoon, because cartoons are supposed to be sort of extreme and outlandish. They can get away with a lot more.
1: (laughs) Well, I remember, um, I'm trying to think which season it was. There was the, the season when Quagmire, no, not Quagmire. Was it Quagmire's brother where Peter murders him or something? Yeah,
2: like and
1: the... the that, 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 that specific, yeah, that specific season, a friend of mine said to me, that specific season, Family Guy was the best drama on television.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh because I of think of the that's, episodes. yeah, it was very dramatic and, uh, it, you know, that the joke of Quagmire's sister being, uh, you know, a domestic violence victim was already in an episode, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Quagmire was like, oh, you don't care because Brian came to his door asking something and uh, like, oh, now he's savagely beating her. That was a joke before where it was like, oh, isn't this funny she's getting beaten up? They must have gotten criticized for that. And they're like, okay, now we have to write a whole episode where it ends up this guy gets killed. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love that evolution of artistic integrity. You know, like they, it seems like they listened to the criticism and made something better out of it. So I I love that about shows that have been on for like 20 plus years because you know you watch the old ones and you're you're like how did they get away with that? And then you watch the recent ones, you're like, oh, okay. Now it's, we're at this point. So yeah, of course they got away with this stuff. Well, he we evolved
1: in the storytelling because mm-hmm. I was in yeah. college when, when Family Guy first premiered and basically it was all jokes strung together for no reason until they got yeah. to the point where they could write a plot with the jokes in it.
2: Yes. Um, it used to be a lot of cutaways and non sequiturs and stuff. And that in itself was really funny, but you can only kind of go so far with being so so random. And yeah, the the plots and everything start to have a more um, cohesive storyline and, you know, the characters a little more depth. Now, I, I'm probably not the only pa- fan that thinks this, but it's, it's almost like that family is, is a part of my family. And I, I think that's why I find the show so comforting, you know, familiar to watch and uh, you know people can feel that about a lot of different TV shows but I think that uh, enough people care about Family Guy that it's still relevant
1: well let me ask you this what are your thoughts on the Orville
2: I love the Orville oh my goodness it's like the office and Family Guy and the Twilight Zone in space (laughs) (laughs) it's it's genius yes it is first of all stylistically gorgeous everything Seth MacFarlane makes is just like a rose wrapped in silk it is just so classy and beautiful and perfect and uh, the writing is is thought-provoking and funny at just the right points. Like it's not joke, 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 joke. It's, you know, maybe a handful of very well-placed, you know, kind of moments of of humor that distract from like something really intense but also like keep the momentum going. So uh, the writing is just flawless and uh, I absolutely love all the characters, you know, the creativity of it all and I just, Uh, I love watching Seth too. (laughs) I think that it's it's fun to see him on screen when we're all so used to that voice. You know, I it it was funny the first time I saw Seth MacFarlane like saw his face uh, was on the TV Guide channel in probably like 2002 or something. I remember I was looking somewhere else and I heard the voice of Brian the Dog and I was like, oh, family guy. And I turned my head to the screen and I'm like, whoa, voice actors can be handsome. Like I was like, wow, this guy's like gorgeous. And uh, to realize that handsome faces behind all these voices was thrilling to say the least. Um, But yeah, that was, because like, I think I had seen pictures of the guys who did like the Looney Tunes voices and they all kind of looked like my grandpa. So I think I was assuming he looked like that. And then, you know, this gorgeous guy is the voice behind all these characters I love. I was like, this is, very impressive, but yeah, it, it, it's because he's such a good actor. It's it's great to see him on screen, and uh, the cast is really great. Like he chose a lot of great, good actors that he like gets along with really well, and um, and it seems like he hires all the right people. Uh, to, to get the job done well. So um, it seems like a huge collaborative effort. Like it's not just Seth doing everything, but he does enough of it that uh, it, it really, it, it's a unified vision. It's like a symphony of a TV show. I can't get over the audio. <laughs> um I, I made a fan video back when they were contemplating not renewing it for season three. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Like cell phones existed on Star Trek before they existed in real life. Right. You don't know what can come out of the ore though. You know, this is like, this is Seth MacFarlane's vision of, of the future, like Star, Star Trek we can evolve so much better if we uh, see art that's, you know, a reflection of who we are, but also where we can go in the future. I don't know how to express anymore how, how much I love that show. Uh, but I, I'm really excited to see season, season three, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I bring that up because it, you can see with the over it took them about half a season to get the right balance between for lack of a better word, the poop jokes and yeah. the straight drama.
2: Yeah, I think at first people probably demanded more of that. I mean, especially executives and stuff, because that's what people are used to. You know, they they think of Seth MacFarlane as the funny guy. But yeah, he can be dramatic too. And it can be really good because some of the best comedians are also the best dramatic actors, like Robin Williams was. Um, and their dramas are just so moving because they really know how to trigger that depth of emotion because there's very uh, little chemical difference between laughing really hard and being like really scared or really emotional. And it's just like these heightened emotions are kind of at the same level and they know, you know, exactly when and how to bring that out of people. Um, I mean, that's the mark of a a truly amazing artist anyway. That's that's my opinion.
1: (laughs) No, I remember when he um, guest starred. I never saw the Fisher King when it came out. But I remember when he was on Homicide, Life on the Street, he won an Emmy for that. And he played like a father and I think his family either got robbed or someone got shot.
2: Wow. I didn't see that one, but I did see the episode of Law and Order SBU that he was in. That one was really good. It's probably one of my favorite episodes.
1: If you love know um, that episode, you need to find this episode a homicide, because I remember it was yeah. a big big deal that they had Robin Williams on, and yeah. he, that, he won his first Emmy for that guest role.
2: Wow, cool. Yeah, it seems like he should have gotten a word for, like, everything he did, because <laughs> everything he did was so spectacular. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I, I loved him and everything that I saw of his, I think, but it... it You know, the comedies that he was in also had a a really good dramatic undertone to it, too. Like um, Mrs. Doubtfire, very funny movie, but it was a movie ultimately about divorce. And that is a sad subject, but they managed to pull a really comedic and heartfelt story out of something like that. And I don't think any other actor could have played that part as well as he did. So, uh, you know, I I still think about him a lot. Uh, uh, It's tough not to when someone was so much a part of all of our lives for so long. You know, it's not good to kind of ruminate um, what we've lost. You know, you got to just focus on the good that they did and the the positive impact they had. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen World's Greatest Dad, uh, but that was uh, a movie written and directed by Bobcat Goldswait that starred Robin Williams. And, uh, it, I don't want to spoiler anything, but, uh, there's themes of like suicide and the really dark stuff. And, uh, it's so beautifully written and beautifully shot. There, there are two montages in it. They're probably my two favorite montages of all cinema. I, I think it's, it's, mainly because Bobcat's such a good writer director. Uh, but having Robin in that role just, Made everything click so perfectly. You can tell they were two artists who were excellent at working together. And um, I watched, I I rewatched World's Greatest Dad the night that he died, and I just sobbed through the whole thing. And, you know, even though I'd seen it before and I knew it was going to happen, it just had this, such a raw emotional effect on me. And uh, I haven't watched it again since because um it's uh just too intense you know there there are a lot of movies that have rewatchable value and I'll sort of like watch them every chance I get like there's a watch party for as good as it gets that I saw on Facebook today like I don't do stuff like that like I don't participate in social things especially online but um I was like, actually, yeah, I love that movie, and I would love an excuse to watch it and maybe, like, comment on it online with other people and stuff. So, um, you know, there there is a value to rewatching movies that you really love, uh, but some of them, it's, I just can't. It's too much. I, I kind of feel the same way with The Orville. Like, I've only seen each episode once. Because I have such a strong emotional reaction to it, I can't go back and watch them again yet. I mean, it'll it, maybe after a while I'll be able to do that, but I, I'm not at that point yet. <laughs>
1: so, if someone were to sign um your Family Guy petition or your um, Star for Carrie petition, where would they go?
2: Oh, you have to go to my blog, which is imagination for sale.blog and it's f-o-r not the number for imagination like you know the song pure imagination imagination f-o-r-s-a-l-e dot blog and uh there's links at the top to a star for carry and on that page has a link to the a star for carry petition and uh the occupy family guy petition so if you go to my blog it's all right there on the front page
1: and if anyone wanted to follow you on social media, how would they do that?
2: On Twitter, I have a, a handle. It's yes, she's got Moxie. So Y-E-S-S-H-E-S-G-O-T-M-O-X-I-E. And my Instagram is a little easier to remember. It's just Lady Moxie Jane. L-A-D-Y-M-O-X-I-E-J-A-N-E. And, um... Again, if you go to my blog, there's a contact page with all my social media links and stuff too. And the way to email me if you um have any questions, want to get involved in the project, um, or you know, wanna have me on a podcast, want to help me promote this, uh, that's like the best thing that people can contribute right now is sharing the information online and uh you know, helping me get these issues out there. And I just love talking about it too. Thank you so much for having me on here and just letting me talk about it because, you know, being cooped up inside here, not being able to petition for weeks, it, it was driving me crazy. And when you said you want to be on the podcast, he like, yes, I get to talk for a really long time. Um,
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I hope uh, we, we get a bunch of signatures from, people listening to this because I'd love to see the day when Carrie gets her star on the Walk of fame.
2: Absolutely. And uh, if anyone wants to donate (laughs) to the uh, nonprofit startup and everything, there's also a donate page on my blog. Um, Right now I, you know, basically have no income. California is great with social services and stuff. So I'm surviving for now, but I'm really uh, trying to get this nonprofit started So, um, you know, people want to contribute to that. That would be great. Uh, Just throwing that out there. Um, But, yeah, the petition is the most important thing. So please sign the petition. And may the force be with you.
1: (laughs) And may it be with you.
2: Thanks.
0: Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Kristen Grady. Um, So all of her contact information, her Twitter account, and the address of her blog, where you can find out about both the petition for getting Carrie Fisher a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and for Family Guy to do an an episode with an all-female writing staff will be in the show notes. So I hope everyone has a great... May the Fourth Be With You, Revenge of the Fifth, and Rise of the Six. And as always, if you're listening to this, make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Um, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, however you are getting this podcast. So if you would like to get a hold of me, as usual, the podcast, Twitter account is at PromenadePod. You can search on Facebook for Promenade Podcast. And if you'd like to email the show, it's PromenadePodcast at gmail.com. Well, we're all excited about the big May the Fourth Be With You Revenge of the Fifth and Rise of the Sixth. Next week, we're going to shift gears because 2020 is a big anniversary year. And we're going to go back and we're going to talk about the early days of Star Trek Voyager in honor of the Voyager 25th. So we will see you next time.